Hello, oh my goodness. Good morning. Wow, good morning. Oh, it's good to be here with you this morning. What does illustrative even mean? Did you hear that introduction? I'm not even sure I deserve that, but I appreciate it. Um, I'm so thrilled to get to be continuing this morning in our Greatest Promises of All Time series. Have you enjoyed it so far, those of you who've been with us? It's been encouraging, hasn't it? If you haven't um, been a part of this series, if you're joining for the first time online or in this room, I encourage you to go back and find some of those messages on our YouTube channel. It has just been a time of refreshment and encouragement as we've been reminded of what God has promised to us who choose to follow him. Um, and I'm excited to continue that. So I have a question for you this morning. I'm gonna paint for you a picture. Have you ever experienced something like this? Where you've set out to do a job only to get halfway through and have this feeling like this is never gonna get done. You know, maybe it was you chose on some Saturday afternoon to dig into that closet that you haven't touched in years, only to find yourself hours in, knee deep in relics from the 1980s, finding clothes that you forgot that you had. Some of those clothes are coming back, so you know, don't immediately go to Goodwill with those things. You could maybe reuse those. Or maybe you're a DIYer, that's experience in our life, where we get into a project and all of a sudden feel like this is never going to end. For me, I would say the time in my life where I sensed this almost every single day was when our children were very small. Now, they're young, our kids are nine, seven, five, but I mean when they were like four and two and super fresh, you know, when my days were defined by changing diapers and doing laundry and making endless peanut butter and jellies. <laughs> I remember vividly feeling like I'd spend an hour cleaning up the kitchen and turn around and see a sink full of dishes. Some of you out there are like, that doesn't end. Okay, that's good to know. Or I'd you know, change diapers or I'd do laundry and turn around and see that my kids were again covered in some sticky substance that I have no idea where it came from. And I would throw my hands up and feel like this is never going to end. Now, that's a discouraging feeling because we like a finished product. We like when we have a job set before us, a task to complete that we get to see it accomplished. We enjoy that feeling, and so when that doesn't happen, it feels a little bit discouraging. And you know, this is true in our spiritual lives, too. I wonder if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you may have sensed in your spirit at one time or another that feeling of like, will there always be work to be done? Will I ever finally stop struggling with this pride in my life? Will I ever finally conquer that sin that I cannot get over? Or maybe you ask the question, will I ever truly trust God? Or how about this? Will I ever desire the things of God more than the things of this world? The reality is that what was a curse for me as a young mom, this feeling that this job will never end, there will always be work to be done, is actually one of God's greatest promises to us. Let me show you what I mean. We're gonna be in Philippians this morning, so if you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. Philippians chapter one, if you don't, we have it on the screen. We're gonna start in verse three. Here's what it says. 
Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The promise that we are going to dig into this morning is this, God will finish what he started. Can you say that with me? God will finish what he started. You guys are already way more interactive than the 9 a.m. Does this happen all the time for you? You guys are awake, that's good, that's good. God will finish what he started. Now, before we jump into this promise, I'd love for us just to take a second and practice some good Bible study habits. Are you all right with that? Last week, uh, Pastor Brad took us on a little a moment, a pause, a tangent of theology. Do you remember that? This time we're going to do a little bit of Bible study. So when we go to God's Word, it is so vital that we remember that this book right here was not written to Olathians in 2022, right? That the Bible was written to a specific per- people during a specific time by a specific person. And surely there is truth that we can glean today. There is spiritual truth that transcends time and culture. But for us to fully understand how to interpret that truth, we need to get our minds around what was the original audience, who was the original author. And so we're going to do that with the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is actually a letter. It was written by Paul to a group of his friends and fellow Jesus followers in a city called... Philippi. See that? See that? Philippians. You're with me. Good, good. You're with me. Okay, so Paul wrote this letter to his friends at this place in in Philippi, and this was a city which he had visited, and he had started this church. So he'd gone, he'd shared the good news of what he knew to be true about Jesus. These people bought into that, believed that, committed their lives to that, and began a church. But now Paul is no longer with them. In fact, Paul is now in prison in Rome, and he's not sure when he's going to see his friends again. And so he sends them this letter. There's one word that we put over the whole book of Philippians. It's the word joy. Because Paul is sharing how he's encouraged by what God has done in them, what God is doing in him, how the joy of following hard after God is so, so valuable. And so when Paul writes this letter, it's with, man, he's, he's encouraged. He's excited about what God is doing in his friends, the Philippians. And he offers this promise to them. He says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will complete it. Now, why does he offer this promise? We could speculate. We don't know exactly why, but maybe it's because he's concerned that his distance from them may may breed within them a questioning, is God really going to do all of that he said he's going to do? Maybe it's because he himself needed to be reminded of this promise, that even though he sits in a cold, dark cell, God is still going to finish the work he began in Paul. Whatever the reason, it was true for the Philippians, it was true for Paul, and it's true for us today that God will finish the work that he started. So let's jump in. The first thing I want you to notice about this 
promise is that Paul describes a starting point. He says, God began the work within you. Every good work has a starting point. You got to start somewhere. Think about the Mona Lisa, I guess at some point, it was just a blank canvas, some brush strokes as who, who painted that? I got myself into a really bad, Leonardo da Vinci, whoever painted it, he started that, right? A few brush strokes on the canvas. How about the Colosseum? At one point, just a pile of bricks, nothing impressive. Any feat of engineering, any, any masterpiece in this world started off somewhere, and that's true for you and me, spiritually. There was a moment when, spiritually speaking, you and I were just a blank canvas, just a pile of bricks, and then God did something. And if we went around this room and I asked you the question, when was it that you surrendered your life to God? When was it that God captured your heart? Each of us would have a different story to tell. Some of you in this room, you may have been really far from God, running from God, in fact. When all of a sudden, maybe it was a word you heard or a friend who spoke truth to you or maybe a circumstance in your life that brought you to the place of seeing your need for a savior. Others in this room, maybe you grew up in church. You heard all the Jesus story, you knew all the God stuff, but it took some shift within you for you to truly understand that you needed to turn your life over to God. Maybe you're in here, you're online, and, and you are not yet a Jesus follower. You're in this room and you're not really even sure why you keep coming around this place. But the songs that we sing and the kindness of the people around you and the truth that you're hearing, there's something more and more compelling. Listen, the Bible has an explanation for that. And it's not any work that we do on our own. No, it's the Holy Spirit who draws us to himself, who tills the soil of our heart so that when we hear the truth, we are primed and ready to grow in God. That's the work that God has done in each of us. But listen, that's just the starting point. That's just the starting point. What God began in you, that, that's not the finish line of faith. That moment where you surrendered your life to the Lord, that is the starting point. And there is so much work to be done. That's exactly what Paul says here as we continue on. Paul says that we are a work in progress, that God will continue the work. You see that in this verse 6? I am convinced that he who began the good work within you will continue his work. We are all works in progress right now, this moment right here. God is doing work in your heart. Not to save you if you're a Jesus follower. That work is already done. But he's doing work in your heart to sanctify you. This promise is really all about sanctification. Okay, that's a really big churchy word, sanctification. Have I lost you? No. Wow, that was not super encouraging. Have I lost you? No, you're still with me? Okay, sanctification, big theological word. Simply put, sanctification is the lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. Lifelong process. 
So that moment that you turned to Jesus in faith, that was a one-time thing. You can't be any more saved than you are at that moment, but I think you'll agree with me. You can become more or less holy, more or less like Jesus. In fact, the, the phrase that we use around this place is, is maybe the process of making Jesus first in our lives. That's how us as Heartlanders talk about this. That we wanna learn how to make Jesus first in every area of our lives. So when you consider your own life, when you consider the time that you, where you spend your time or where you spend your money or where you spend your energy, is it obvious to those around you that Jesus is first in your life? Or when you think about maybe the words that we say or how we think about things going on in this world, how we respond to people when they disagree with us. Are we making Jesus first in those areas? I know God can prick my own heart to know there are some areas of my life where I'm not perfectly putting Jesus first. And so we know there is work to be done I hope I'm not the only one in here that, that understands that moment of salvation was not a moment where I became completely loving and completely patient and completely kind, right? You're with me? We know there's work to be done. And what Paul is pointing out here is so important for us to see that sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus, is a lifelong process. Now listen. When I tell you, there will always be work to be done. I, I think there are two ways in general that we respond to that. I think we have the let's get to work people, okay? These are the people that when you hear that there's space for you to become more like Jesus, there's areas in your life where you need to make Jesus first, you say, all right, let's get to work. I'm gonna set my alarm super early so I'm gonna have a prayer time that's unlike anyone else's. I'm gonna get in God's word. I'm gonna know everything about who he is and what he has to say and his character. I'm gonna serve in every single place in the church. I'm going to look at my own life, see every area that I haven't been loving and patient and kind. These are the let's get to work people. Now in general, it's a really great way to respond, right? We wanna become more like God. But the problem is when you mess up, when you sleep through the alarm, when the dust piles up on the Bible, when you respond not in patience but in anger to your friend or your coworker or your child, those people that have that let's get to work attitude, it's those moments of failure are so often accompanied by shame and guilt and you spiral that feeling of this is never gonna end. I'm never gonna get it right. That's one side. Here's the other way people respond. It's not let's get to work. It's let God do the work. These people tend to respond to that moment of salvation as the finish line more than the starting point. It's not that people have, are, actively sinning and, and neglecting God, but, but they're not really concerned about making Jesus first in every area. Jesus can be first on Sunday mornings. Jesus can be first, you know, when it's convenient. But they're not really in tune with, with letting the Holy Spirit show them the many different areas that they can grow to become more like Jesus. 
Now, these are two extremes. But what Paul is showing us in this promise is that this process of sanctification is not I do the work and it's not God does the work, it's that we do this work together. That God is inviting us into a partnership whereby he wants to make us more like Jesus. I think Paul explains this really well a little later in, the, in this letter. Chapter two, verse 12, this is what he says to his friends. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Listen to this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I love this verse because, leave this up here too for a second, please. In just a couple of sentences, Paul here is articulating the paradox of the Christian faith. We just talked about that moment of salvation. Talked about how the Holy Spirit works in you to prepare your heart, and yet somehow there is, there is divine intervention where the God, God is drawing you, and yet there is human responsibility that you have to respond to God calling you. The same is true in our sanctification. God is doing the work, but we have responsibility. Do you see this? He says, work hard, obey. Do what you know you're supposed to do. But listen, God is working in you to give you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. This is so important for us to get that God wants to partner with us in this work. And I love that Paul says these two words. He says, giving you the desire and the power. Desire and power. These two things are absolutely crucial for us to do what's right. Now we're gonna pause on the spiritual stuff for a second. Let me just show you how this works in everyday life. You need both desire and power. Maybe you've been in a relationship significant other, spouse, even a friendship, this can happen. Where that person has articulated to you their expectations for this relationship. This is, this is what I need from you in order for this relationship to go well. I need you to communicate with me this way. I need, I need this amount of time. I need you to understand this about me, okay? And you love this person. But for whatever reason, maybe the way you're wired or your personality, or maybe there's certain constraints in your life, time commitments that you're not able to give to that relationship what you wish you could, you can't do it. You don't have the power. So you have desire, you love them, you want to meet their expectations, but you don't have the power to do it. You with me? Okay, now here's the thing. The flip side of that, let's go to a work example. Maybe you are working and you have, a, you have a boss or a superior who has laid out the expectations of this job to you. And you are totally able to do what they've asked you to do. You have the capability, you have the, the power to do it. But maybe because of some breakdown in the relationship with your boss, maybe you don't feel appreciated or there's some unresolved conflict, or maybe you're just burned out at your job, you have no desire to do what they've asked you to do. You see how both these things are required. 
desire, and power. This happens in our spiritual life. It happens in our relationship with God all the time. Where you know exactly what you are meant to do. You know the expectation that God has laid out for you. And you desperately want to do it. And yet for some reason, you don't have the power. You lack the discipline. And you keep failing. Or maybe the other side. Where it's not so much that, that you can't do it. It's just that you don't want to. You know what God has asked you to do, but man, because all the things that crop up in this world that distract us from that, you lack a desire to press in to who God is and what he's called you to. I know I've, I've been in both of these places. I know there have been seasons in my life where I have become enamored with the things of this world. I've become distracted by the things around me to the point where I, I don't even desire God. In those moments, my prayer isn't, God, I want more of you. My prayer becomes, I want to want more of you. God, I want to desire to be in your word. I want to desire to talk to you. I want to desire to serve you. I want to desire to get the sin out of my life so that I can serve you completely. This is the reality of the Christian life, is that we have peaks and valleys. We have moments where this kind of comes easy and moments where it's a little more challenging. But that's what I love about this promise, is that we are not in it alone. God has told us he will do the work within us if we partner with him. And that's, that's really where it's up to us, right? To respond to God, doing the work within us, to join him in that work. I'll give you an example of what that looks like in my life. Can I be real with you guys? Judgment-free zone? Yes. There are times when I respond to my children in anger. Moms, can I get an amen here? Yes, you know, you, this, is, this is reality. There are times when someone else gets in, gets in the fray. That's Dan. <laughs> right? Gosh, you know, there's no place more obvious when, where you need to grow in your holiness and get rid of sin than in your marriage and with your kids. And, and that's, that's been true for me. And I will tell you that there are moments when I've responded to Dan with less things that are less than gracious or less, who's laughing really loud over there? Oh boy, it's probably Dan. Um, no, less than gracious, not loving, sometimes harsh words out of anger. And, and when that happens, when that interaction is done, I will sense so clearly the Holy Spirit saying, you need to make that right. And it is so hard for me, you guys, to admit when I'm wrong. And I will feel the Spirit say, you gotta make that right. And there are times when I have ignored that. There are times when I've felt like time will figure that out, it'll be fine. I don't need to actually apologize for that. 
And then there are times when I lean into that prompting of the Spirit, when I join in the work of sanctification, and I ask God, give me the power to walk in humility. Give me the desire to make this right because I know this is how I become more like Jesus. And I will tell you, I have never regretted those times when I've leaned into the Spirit and allowed Him to make me more like Jesus. We are in this not by ourselves. We are in this with God. And so, so there is a, there's an encouragement here this morning for you who are a let's, let God do the work kind of a person where it's easier for you to ignore the prompting of the Spirit when he's saying you shouldn't have responded that way. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that anymore. It's easier for you to ignore that and just say, God's got it. It's okay. His grace covers this. Listen, if that's you, you are missing out on the fullness of what the Christian life has to offer you. You have not yet tapped in to what God has created you to be. I think so many of us walk around and say, what's my purpose, God? What plan do you have for me, God? Listen, God's purpose for you is for you to become more like Jesus. So listen to the Spirit. Lean into that. Pray for the desire to become more like God, to become more like Jesus, to make Jesus first in every area of your life. You will not regret it. And those of us who are that let's get to work people. You're white knuckling your holiness. You are like, I am gonna be perfect. Listen, when you fail, and you will, lean in to God. He wants to join with you in that work. He doesn't want you doing that on your own. Listen, you've trusted him for your salvation. Why would you neglect his work in your sanctification? He's not done with you at the moment of salvation. He wants to continue to work with you and in you to make you more like Jesus. And so pray, pray for that power to overcome the sin in your life. Pray for the desire to become more like Jesus. Think, is there a prayer that God wants to answer more than his faithful children praying, make me more like Jesus? I'm not sure there is. So, we are a work in progress. We're not doing it alone though, we are co-laborers with God and I wanna jump back here. I want you to see this final part of the promise this morning. One day, we will be a finished product. We're a work in progress now, but there is a day coming when we will be a finished product. God will finish what he started. We can be sure of that. Now, I don't know if, you're, if you, are, you struggle at all with finishing the projects that you begin. Some of us in this room do. Now, for me, there's a very obvious area where it's hard for me to finish what I started. It's journals. <laughs> Anybody else? Anyone else have a hard time finishing journals? Someone applauded almost, that was great. Okay, thank you. So here's the deal. 
I have boxes full of spiral-bound notebooks or hardcover notebooks or those moleskins with the pretty leather wrap. I've got boxes full of them. Not one of them is filled by more than a quarter. And, and this would not be a problem if I would just acknowledge that I'm not a journaler, but I can't, and that aisle in Target like draws me in every time, and I see those like pretty like hand-painted botanicals, and I think, this is the journal that I will actually write until there are no more pages to fill. It has never happened, you guys, never happened. Now, listen, there are no half-filled half moleskin journals in heaven. You see what I did there? The, the, the story that God has begun in your life, he has every intention of filling and finishing. Now listen, not even intention. God will do it. He said he will do it. We can trust that God will finish the work that he started. And there will be a day when Christ Jesus returns or when he calls us home where we will stand face to face and we will see our Savior as He is, and we will be like Him. And so what does that mean for you and me? Right now, here today, that means that when we mess up on this day, we can have hope that that day is coming. We can have hope and be encouraged that God will not abandon us. God will continue to do the work that he has set out to do in our hearts. And so listen, if the Holy Spirit has drawn you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if this is your testimony that you follow Jesus, you can be sure of this. What we sang this morning that we're gonna sing again. If you're not dead, he's not done. If you are not dead, he is not done with you. He wants to refine you. He wants to get what is dirty and make it clean. He wants to make you more like Jesus. Now listen, he will finish what he started. So we're gonna stand together. We're gonna declare that this morning.